Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Jenny Poon. Jenny is a serial entrepreneur, journalist, data visualization expert, automation nerd, equity advocate, and builder of vibrant communities and a ranch dressing aficionado. She's the founder of Cohoots, a top four co-working space and entrepreneur center in the US as ranked by Inc.com. She's also the founder and CEO of Hub, a digital resource platform for economic developers to better serve and engage with small businesses in their community. Between her two companies, she serves more than 10,000 businesses a year, and she is an integral role in creating thousands of jobs across multiple cities in some of the hardest to reach communities. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell us, for those who don't know, what, what is a co-working space and what is an entrepreneur center? Sure. Uh, a co-working space is a shared workspace where entrepreneurs can come together. Entrepreneurs, small businesses, independent workers, um, teams of people can come and work out of that space. It's really born out of like this concept of a third space. It's not your house. It's not an office that like is owned by your employer. It's this other space that builds community and helps other entrepreneurs help each other, um, a community space. And then we combine that with entrepreneurship training. Um, so we also provide educational events. Um, uh, we have like networking meetups. Um, it's just a central hub to continue to support entrepreneurship. Sure. So this third place, this place that's not your home, that's not your work, could be a, a coffee shop, could be a co-working space. What's the appeal of that? Like, why do people need to get out of their house or get out of their office? And, mm -hmm. and well, I really built it for my own need. Um, you know, I come from a more creative background, and I think there's a lot of benefit in being around other people to share ideas. Um, I think when you work all by yourself, you're just isolated and siloed from creative energy from other people, and a lot of people, I guess the concept of innovation comes when industries overlap. Um, and you don't really get to see that if you're just working home alone by yourself or right. in your own corporate environment where you're only around the people that are like working on the same project. Um, so being able to overlap with, with people who you wouldn't normally meet with or with industries that you normally wouldn't intersect with is a big draw for coworking. Sure. So uh, do you feel like COVID sort of proved out this model in the sense that uh, with everybody stuck in their houses and having to work remotely, that the losses we saw in productivity, did people experience losses of productivity during COVID because they couldn't get out, they couldn't interact with other people, they couldn't bounce ideas off of random strangers, oh, a coffee definitely. machine, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you start talking to your own little Keurig machine, right, after a while. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that there is... a there's a national like challenge now with mental health and so many people just lost human connection. And after the pandemic, we saw uh, just this huge flurry of people 
coming out and realizing I can't sit at home like I did for the last two years. Um, right. I think as a part of that, the co-working space industry has really blown up. But also I think corporations have started to think about the 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 value of their employees and what's what's the best work environment for them and that maybe what they've built is not the best work environment for all people. And so being flexible in that way, um, allowing employees to work remotely, um, potentially come in flex days, right? Come into the, their normal office some days and then work remotely other days um, has has become a new norm for a lot of these companies. That makes sense. So um, that's Kohoots. And mm-hmm. then you also have Hub, and that is a digital resource platform. So what is what is that exactly? Yeah, what does that mean? Um, so we've been, uh, I'll back up a little bit. We've been running Kahoots. I launched it in 2010, um, kind of after the last recession. And like I said, it's entrepreneurship support, kind of grassroots entrepreneur-led ecosystem building, like look at your your community, your city. Is there Are there the right supports in your community to support further growth in entrepreneurship? Um, if not, a co-working space helps with a good chunk of that. And what we've learned over the years is co-working spaces are great. They typically serve the communities that are just um, in their neighborhoods. Um, we're in Phoenix, so it's pretty pretty big city. We draw a good amount of people from around the area, but most, I would say 75%, if not 90%, are within 10 miles of our space. Um, and then what we saw as we were leading up to the pandemic and what we were hearing with our community was there was a lot of people from other areas that needed access to the programming that we have, um, the trainings and like the advisement that we do, the coaching that exists, but they couldn't physically get to our space. Um, I will also add that I come from an immigrant background and I saw huge disparities um, with communities of color, being able to access and people in general, um, even before the pandemic, but exacerbated because of the pandemic. Um, Just growing up in a small restaurant, my parents consistently struggled with finding the right CPA and the technologists that could help them even build a website or get their business on Google, Google's map listing, you know. Um, Mm. There's a lot of just further disparity when it comes to looking at um, just Uh, communities that have been marginalized. And so Hub was built to expand that support of what we've been doing with our co-working space to the masses. Uh, Before, you know, Hub wasn't originally what, it wasn't built for what it is right now. Um, It was originally built for our co-working space and to be able to expand that support to to people who couldn't physically come to our building. Um, So we started putting together digital learning less, uh, courses um, so that businesses could access them from their home. We started putting together our advisor network in a digital um, directory so that, again, entrepreneurs could find the people that could help their business um, without physically leaving their house and having to come to the co-working space. And then also just an online space for us to be able to build that community. Um, those were the core components early 2019. And then the pandemic hit and it accelerated everything we were working on. Um, We had to close down as a physical space and we just redirected all of our staff to work on this tool um, that we thought would help us create more access. At the same time, um, our municipalities were struggling with how to do this as well. How do we 
serve small businesses without in a new way because our traditional ways of going door to door to small businesses was just not going to work. We also saw a lot of governments weren't doing a great job of actually serving their small businesses. They didn't have any way to really contact them um, because they originally would reach out to them just by going physically to their business. Um, <clears throat> and so we saw, we just saw this huge hurdle for government to be able to step into this space um, to truly do the like one-on-one -on -one support or like the, the support that small businesses needed that we have actually been doing for a while. Um, and so uh, a really forward-thinking city, the city of Mesa, stepped forward and actually reached out and said, what would you guys do in this situation? Um, we want to be really open to creative ideas and how we could support our small businesses right now. And not just right now, too. Like, how could we use this, like, infusion of funds to be able to do something long-term um, to really transform how we support small businesses? Um and we looked at what we've been doing, what we've learned over the last decade. Um, we had worked with a few cities in the past to understand, you know, what kind of metrics they're looking for. And we merged all of those ideas together and built Hub in partnership with the city of Mesa. Um, that was our first city that we'd worked with. And um, it was it was the components of, in the government world, technical assistance, the one-on-one -on -one assistance that a business owner right. needs. Um, businesses don't know what that means. So <laughs> in small business terms, that's that's um, small business um, advisement or consulting support. And I think what also makes it really different, diff different for us and that we brought to the city was we're not looking as business owners, we're not looking for more coaching. We're looking for tactical experts that can do the work that we haven't been able to do very well ourselves because it's just not our expertise. So again, it's that that CPA that knows all of the tax rules that can help us get the PPP, right? Because we, we that's not our expertise. The web designer right. that can help us move from right. non-digital so business. Bring, it's so <clears throat> interesting that you bring that all up because you know, I, I'm of the age that when I was young, when I was in high school and, you know, my first jobs and stuff, I remember that there was a Yellow Pages, yes, a phone book. <laughs> and the the Yellow Page salesperson, they went around and they sold businesses by saying, get your ad in here and your, your phone will ring. And businesses really used it in the sense that, uh, you know, if they needed something, that's where they went mm -hmm. and looked. But the thing about it that I thought was interesting or looking back at is now what's interesting is the, the business didn't have to design their ad. The yellow page salesperson or the yellow page company designed the ad for them. So they'd come and say, you give us some money, we're going to make the phone ring. And um, now you know, you're a plumber, you're a CPA, whatever it is, you have to market yourself. You have to place your own Facebook ads. You have to get all of that kind of stuff. And there's people out there that know how to do these things. If you're a plumber, you're really good at plumbing, but you're probably not really good at some, at the marketing side or some other you know, accounting side. And you should, you know, offload that. But how do you find those people? How do you connect with them? That's so interesting. That's what uh, turns out is what they need. Yeah, that's absolutely what they need. And they work on that part of it at 8 p.m. at night when everybody right. else is not working. And so um, Hub brings those experts to business owners beyond the normal work hours. So you can immediately book and meet with a consultant to help you improve your business at any time and not wait for the work hours of government to help you do the matchmaking or your chamber, et cetera. Um, it's right. all just 
done immediately. Um, and then the component of that is the big component for economic developers is all of that data of what a business owner needs and was asking for and was served with is delivered to the government so that they can identify, hey, this is, you know, in this community, in this specific zip code, all of these businesses have been asking for financial help and they've been struggling with these things. Um, we should really look at improving our programming around that or connecting those communities with XYZ, right? Um, the data behind it is the big piece that I think a lot of cities had struggled with being able to collect over the years. Right, being able to collect that and un yeah, and understand that. Mm -hmm. So these experts that you have, these subject matter experts, uh, like say in Mesa, for instance, are they from Mesa or are they from all over? They are from... Most of them are from Mesa. Each community can um, can add their own consultants in there. So you're feeding your okay. own community. We believe there are experts in every part of the country. Um, and so we initially uh, do outreach to experts within that community first. And then if you have holes, a lot of rural communities might not have that, you know, um, investor expert or the strategist. Um, we can pull from our national network. And so we can fill for industries that um, you might not have people serving. Right. And then Mesa is what? Probably half a million people and, mm -hmm. and then a major metro. Do you need that large of a population for something like this to work? No. Um, we are actually in a lot of smaller cities as well. Um, so we're in 10 cities now. And our smallest is probably 70,000. Um, we are playing with a rural uh, model where... Um, similar concept, but I think there are different challenges with rural communities and that more infrastructure issues might be at play. Um, so there's just more marketing strategies applied in these rural communities. But I think the connectivity and the access to experts and trainings and all of that is still absolutely necessary, if not even more so in rural communities. Right. That I, Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. That makes sense. So did... Am I understanding this right? Like Mesa came to you and said, hey, can you help us with this? Then you created this product to fill this specific need or you already had Hub before Mesa came? We had some, we had like a skeleton version of Hub that was built for our specific needs as a co-working space and entrepreneurship center. Mm -hmm. But then it wasn't, it wasn't deployed yet. We were in the middle of building it and it was with the intention of solving the challenges we were seeing about about access to this kind of programming and support in a community. And I think when the city came, it was this revelation of our goal was always to create more access to this. And, you know, if we just ran it under our co-working model, we'd maybe be able to serve a couple hundred, maybe a thousand business owners. But right. if we partnered with a city and made it accessible through a city, then it would be free for everybody in a city. And imagine how formative that could be when all businesses in a in a community actually had access to these kinds of resources. Right. Wow. So in Mesa, what kind of success metrics do you have? Yeah, and we've we've definitely expanded from there, but we have um I think we did in that first six months, we had almost four hundred businesses onboarded. And this was just like that initial 
six months during the crazy COVID time. We are right. we're now about a year and a half in, but that first six months, we had almost 400 businesses. Um, I think we did 3,300 hours of technical assistance, over 100 direct, like 100 businesses um, directly. And then other businesses that were on the platform got access to trainings. Um, they got they found grants. We have a grant library that we we pull nationally. Um, and so a lot of businesses found new funding opportunities. And also knowing that like small businesses, that's typically the only funding they get. Um, they, there were many that were able to get thousands of dollars of more grant funding. Um, and I think we've also seen on our po- platform that it's serving more than 50% people of color and 50% women, which is representative of our Mesa community, but in other cities, even across all of our platforms, communities that are not as diverse, um, the platform is serving consistently across all those communities, more than 50% people of color and women. Um, And we see even in the technical assistance, so there's two pools, like there are businesses that come on and they're not asking for technical assistance. They're just looking for the resources, like the trainings and there's free educational events that we host and all of those other things, but not, they're not looking for the one-on-one assistance. Um, might be just because they don't have the time to, to jump into something like that. But in the communities that are doing the one-on-one assistance, of those that are taking, a par- taking part of one-on-one assistance, it's almost 70 to 80% um, underrepresented communities participating in that. Um, so we're seeing like for the first time in a very long time, a lot of direct support going to these communities. Um, And we've also pulled a lot of all of our community. And I think it was like 98% of the businesses. This was the first time they've ever, ever worked with government. Um, So that trust is being built now consistently across the communities because our economic developers are front for on this platform. It's it's they're seeing the, the staff, in the city actually doing the work, um, which is not to say they weren't doing the work, but it's scaled now. They can serve a lot more people with a lot less staff and deliver prioritized and personalized service um, to each of the businesses because we have the data to know what they need now. Right, exactly. So not only are they now visible, did this Mm -hmm. government agency with these staff members coming out and directly interacting with the business community, especially the underserved groups, which by definition are underserved and <laughs> don't take advantage of the access that is, was currently available. And, and they're actually, and then the, the EDC or the government is actually getting some good, valuable information. So how, about how they can better serve their yeah. residents. That's phenomenal. And there was a team I like to point out, there was a team of almost 20 staff members um, in the city of Mesa when we first piloted um, because they had, they were rerouting their staff, um, their sure. parks and their libraries, all to help small businesses, which was wonderful. Um, but they also knew that once this money died down and they moved, you know, into regular economic development budget, they were, they weren't going to be able to support 50 staff members doing this kind of support. So how does that level of support scale without having to scale the people and you would never want to just back out of that. Now, like we just spent all this time and money and energy in supporting small businesses. But yeah, now the pandemic's like going is starting to move in a different direction. And guess what? We've forgotten about you again. <laughs> we right. don't we definitely right. don't want that. Right. And so um, a big piece of this was 
yes, we started with 20, but can this actually scale down and still deliver the same amount of support? And now, now we see a year and a half, two years in that the same platform is delivering the same amount of service with only two staff members kind of working on it. Um, gotcha. And so it's been, it's been really wonderful working with, with this and solving these, these challenges together in a big way with the government. Interesting. It sounds like, yeah, that it basically it's able to make an outsized impact on the community. And I think that that's phenomenal. Yeah. You mentioned, Oh, you mentioned earlier uh, this word technical assistance, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and government uses this word all the time. Um, EDA does technical assistance grants and it's just like, it's part of our lingo, but from the outside, do people, uh, do people know what that is? No. <laughs> or do they think, think that's like assistance setting up your printer or something? Yeah. I think most people think it's IT services. Like, sure. I don't need internet help right now. I have perfectly fine internet. So Why are you trying to pitch me internet? Right. So what are the words that we should be using? How should we be presenting that? Because I, I'd imagine that you have a pretty good feel for both sides of the equation, the government side and the private sector side. How should we as the government be talking to the private sector? What other words like that and phrases should we throw out of our lexicon and, and be using something else instead? Yeah, we use a lot consultants or professional services. Um, I think the easiest way to explain it actually is to be very specific to say, what is it that you're struggling with? Oh, we can hire somebody to help you with that. Would it help you if we paid for that for you? You know, to be able to say something like that is we've seen uh, being a lot more receptive to small businesses because they they don't really they won't come out and say what they need help with because they're just busy thinking about the sales component of their business. Um, but right. if you sit down and you ask them, like, would this be helpful? What else do you need? What are you struggling with? And follow up that question a few more times with like what, why you'll you'll hear the deeper meanings of of what they're looking for. And I think just going back to like, can we help you find an expert to solve that problem for you? Um, that seems to be something that has helped businesses understand. And we still get the like, what's the catch? Why would you be doing this for me? Because historically, governments haven't been in the space doing this kind of work, helping directly right. small businesses. Um, and so I think that's a education piece of one, does your government actually want to stay in that space? Is that the role that your government wants to play? Um, because if you don't, if you don't want to play in that role long term, don't even start because you are going to play into that mistrust that already exists. Um, but if you are in it for the long term, if you have been saying small businesses are the backbone of your economy, then this is a really good way to step into that and do it more efficiently. Because the reality is, is it is really hard to support small businesses. It takes time, especially the hard to reach small businesses. You can't just pull them out of pull an email list and email them because they likely don't even they have an AOL email and it's not listed anywhere. And so there is it's hard. You still have to go out and meet them you, where they are and they might be meeting in libraries and, and those pieces. That you can't avoid. You can't scale that component of it, but you can scale the reporting part, the administrative part. As soon as they get onto this platform, it becomes self-service and they can navigate. But that piece of getting them on and getting them like connected is a piece that will continue to require people power. Um, but the follow-up after that typically was also in the 
realm of in, in the role of economic development can be streamlined and should not require as much energy as I did before. Um, right. So it can can be scaled. Right, which is a huge challenge because mm-hmm. like you've mentioned this repeatedly when the money runs out and that's the truth. I mean, right now our small businesses are a huge priority for all it for all the for all levels of government. But at some point that's probably going to move back on the burner just a little bit as, you know, new issues come up and new new things. And so being able to service more small businesses with fewer resources is probably always a good thing. And I do think at some point, I think the challenge in the past has been, it takes a long time to see the job creation metrics. I honestly don't think that that's the metric we should be watching for anyway, but it takes a long time to see that metric. And if you, if you don't look for the leading indicators for that, then you're never going to get to that that metric that you're looking for. Um, and right. so being able to track the progress of that, because I think it takes a while. And so you need to see some of those little wins. You need to see the revenue growth before the job creation. That's what businesses do. They make more money and then they can hire. They can't just hire. <laughs> so they need to make right. more money first. And then they also need to like improve efficiencies, be able to make more money. And so there's a few steps before that need to be tracked that typically aren't tracked. Um, if you were able to track it in the past, it just hasn't been easy to do so. If you're able to track it, you would see the job creation metrics actually compete with the attraction metrics that governments typically look at, right? Like I could put a Target in the corner or a Walmart on the corner and create X number of jobs in six months. Um, but did you know that if you supported, you know, 100 small businesses in a more automated fashion and you could help them? in that way, they would create just as many jobs. Um, I think we say that all the time and we we hear it, but there hasn't been an easy way to actually track that. And so you can't really put funding towards it unless you can measure it and show unless that it's working. It. Right. Right. Interesting. Well, this is phenomenal. So uh, if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you to learn more about Hub, uh, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Um, our website is joinhub and and hub is with two U's, join, J-O-I-N-H-U-U-B.com. Um, you can always email me at Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at joinhub.com. Um, if you want to learn about Cahoots, that's C-O-H-O-O-T-S.com. Um, yeah, open to talking about. Excellent. Well, Jenny, this has been uh, very informative. I think that you you have a good perspective on the, the two sides, like I said, of the equation, the government and the private sector and you sound like a real resource, and I'm sure that Hub would be super useful in many communities. So I hope that um, you know many of our listeners reach out to you. Thanks so much. But thanks Dave. again for coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.